0: listening to history man 1781 a project of ekbarnes.com, where we walk in the footsteps of heroes and proclaim freedom reigns on today's podcast we are featuring cindy day and fort defiance cindy is the director of the caldwell heritage museum in lenore north carolina welcome cindy
1: thank you eric
0: fort defiance is an interesting part of uh, of history and an interesting part of mountain history mm-hmm. uh, here in Lenore and we're excited about hearing uh, the part it played in our fight for Liberty so tell us about it
1: okay I'd be glad to so where's the fort it's out on highway 268 in Happy Valley in Lenore Cowell County at one time there was a stockade on the property but no one knows exactly where or when that stockade was built probably sometime between seven 1760 and 1775 it wasn't a military fort per se more as a place where people could go as a, a secure location against the defense of indians who did live in the area at the time
0: so what was uh, what what delineated the territory between the colonists and the indians where, where were the where, where was that boundary
1: they didn't necessarily have a specific location. Okay. This was like a traveling ground. There was a trail called the Nickajack Trail that they traveled, they did a lot of trading in the area. Also in Happy Valley, there were some India mounds that were excavated by Dr. Spanauer and there are artifacts from those um, locations sitting in the Smithsonian Institute.
0: Wow, very yeah. good. How did Fort Defiance come about?
1: Well, william lenore who was born in virginia came here um, after his father died and he they didn't have money for him to go to school so he was a self-educated man he did teach school for a while he met his wife and they got married and so he came this way to settle um, got involved in politics
0: now what year was that that Um, he came came into this area
1: Okay, he started building his house about 1788, and he referred to it as Fort Defiance, where he had gathered that name as a secure location for people to come uh, in case they needed to get away from refuge for Indians. So finished- that's
0: 1788. So we're talking uh, well past the Revolutionary mm-hmm. War is when he actually built the house up there. Yeah, yeah. There but that been- was a that was a gr- that was a kind of an open ground area up mm-hmm. there where people would come though Mm
1: -hmm. correct right Right.
0: and it over did it overlook the the river or overlook a valley or what about Fort Defiance and the um the topography of that area uh made it stand out it
1: sits near the river over there uh where the actual fort was nobody really knows but his home sits on the property that overlooks the valley uh there was a smaller home that he lived in when he moved to the to that valley area. And so the house that we know as Fort Defiance was started about 1788. So that would be post American Revolution time. He finished the house in 1792. So it took him about four years to build it. At that time, it was one of the largest constructed homes on the frontier because Caldwell County, North Carolina was still a frontier.
0: I see.
1: Um, He was the 10th and youngest child uh, born in Virginia his parents were of French Huguenot ancestry. They were born here, but his parents, his grandparents were born in France. When he was 10, his father sold a family farm in Virginia. They moved to Edgecombe County in the eastern part of the state on the Tar River. They were working class people and had limited means, very little cash. So he didn't get to go to formal school, but he was a self-educated man. He taught himself how to read and write four languages, French, English, Greek, and Latin. He did teach school for a while. Then he met his wife, Ann Ballard, who was from Halifax, North Carolina, while he was teaching and they got married. And so he decided, you know, teacher's salary even then was not huge. (laughs) So he decided he couldn't raise a family on the teacher's salary. So he apprenticed with a surveyor and he learned to become a surveyor. And that brought him to Western North Carolina.
0: It's interesting that uh, that a lot of the Revolutionary War figures uh, who became prominent, uh, especially in the backcountry, were surveyors. Mm-hmm. We have George Washington yes. was a surveyor, yes. correct? And, and yes. Lenore and and mm-hmm. many of the others that came came west, whether it was Western Virginia or uh, Western uh, Carolinas, they, mm-hmm. they were surveyors and and they were called upon in the Revolution because they knew the area. Right.
1: So he came west to survey and when he came to this area, he fell in love with it. I mean, if you look at where we live, who wouldn't fall in love with this part of the state? So he uh, set up housekeeping here. He did have an advantage in being able to read and write, which a lot of people said on that this part of the country didn't know how to do. Uh, They may be able to sign their name, but most of them just signed with an X because they didn't know how to read and write. Land was also cheap. And he knew that his land holdings would transfer into great wealth, so he started buying up a lot of land and moved his family here just prior to the American Revolution. He settled in what was called Fisher's Creek, now known as Willsboro. He lived in a two-room log cabin on Buffalo Creek, and then he moved into the house that we do know as Fort Defiance in 1791, and he lived there till he passed away.
0: Okay just as a segue why did they call it buffalo creek
1: well at one time there were buffalo living in the area okay yeah all right and li- sadly like a lot of other wildlife hunted out died out yeah very good Yep. Yeah. so he and his wife had nine children eight of those did grow to be adults um one child that died was Elizabeth. She died in 1785 at the age of two, but she didn't die from disease. She desi- died, I'm sorry, she passed away from an accident while playing. Somehow she got her head caught in the fencing and in trying to get her head out, she strangled herself.
0: Oh my goodness. So and
1: once the- I'm sorry.
0: Where, where did you find that information?
1: We have resources here at the, li- at the museum in our library that has the Lenore family history and Fort Defiance history.
0: And the namesake of Lenore, the city of Lenore is because of William Lenore, yes. right?
1: Yes, also Lenore County in North Carolina, Lenore Hall at Chapel Hill. I see. And Lenore, uh, Lenore Avenue, Lenore Street in Raleigh. Very good. And Lenore City in Tennessee. and probably a host of other locations are named for him
0: the the boundaries of tennessee and virginia and north carolina were really held in uh they were kind of up in the air during the revolution Mm -hmm. at that time when we talk about lenore uh, william lenore coming out here and surveying and falling in love with the the land and buying it up really it was kind of a no man's land and uh there was some question going back and forth uh, which state actually owned the land correct i mean Mm -hmm. you go up into the holston river valley and and those settlements up there which is not far from here if you go across the mountain here Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of back and forth okay who who's which militia which state militia are we tied to uh but william lenore was on on this side of the of the line so to speak yeah and we
1: were part of wilkes and burke county at that time i see Yeah, it's because Caldwell County wasn't formed until 1841. I get get it. Yep. So he did have a lot of land. He owned more than 22,000 acres in the valley alone at one time. And of those, he had about 6,000 under cultivation. So you think about the Happy Valley area and just standing at that house and trying to envision that acreage. It's mind-boggling.
0: Right, right.
1: And he did on some slaves. Uh, He was an entrepreneur. He had a grist mill, a sawmill, a loom house, blacksmith shop, breeding stables, a steel house. He also had running water, which was an unknown entity at that time.
0: It's interesting how you went straight from the steel house to the running water. (laughs) You just kind of glazed right over the steel house. Tell tell me how the stills played into uh, the life back in that oh time
1: day. a lot of travelers if they came through this area his house was used as a point of reference so if someone were traveling this way and they knew that he his home was known as Fort Defiance they had an idea of where to go so the people were welcome there and partook of whatever meals and he they, they shared they didn't turn people away so and everybody Probably had a still somewhere back in the woods. <laughs> so that's what they. That's what everybody did. Yeah. 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 With his run water, he brought the water from a spring nine hundred to a thousand yards southeast of the house. I uh, brought it in via a trough of hollowed-out logs, and two of the logs are still on display in the smokehouse there.
0: Okay.
1: And then he was a lot of like uh, Thomas Jefferson, who was also into horticulture. There's some master gardeners working on the, those gardens out there now. So. I see. Yeah, so. He planted formal boxwoods. There's a cypress tree, an Asian chestnut, which does still produce chestnuts out there. Okay. Yeah. He also was into design, and he drew up and designed the house itself. And he also designed a small table that's at the in the upstairs of the master bedroom so the family lived there till 1961 and then the house was closed down and when they were looking at restoring it they discovered that there were more than 300 pieces of original furnishings and artifacts still in the house so they are still there today and on display
0: what a find yeah. what, what a what a great find yeah. for historical
1: mm-hmm.
0: reference there
1: so imagine just going in that house and just seeing all that he was also very involved in politics he served in the, both houses of the legislature the speaker of the house clerk of superior court justice of the peace chair of court of common pleas and was the first president of the board of trustees at unc chapel hill so he was very involved i see And if you think about living where fort defiance is now and traveling to raleigh that was no easy feat
0: for our listeners, how far is that just by the roadways we have roadways, now?
1: roadways, uh, from here to Raleigh is a three hour drive. Okay. Right All right. We, yeah. Very good. So right at 190 miles.
0: So when you think of from, in, in terms of riding a horse and these are mountain miles as opposed to, uh, mm-hmm. to more of the lowlands, but, right. uh, a horse on a given day, they usually, uh, based on the diaries that I've seen, they'll ride. 18 miles, you know, right. a day,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. So yeah, it, and we
1: didn't have paved roads back then, right. so it may be following an old mountain road or a logging trail or whatever to get where he needed to be. Right, And right. I'm sure along the way, he had places that he camped out or lodged with uh, people he, I'm sure he got to know along the way. Right. He also, in his house, put some unique features. And one of those was... Were closets. Yeah, 18th century homes did not have closets because it was considered wasted space and you also had to pay taxes on the number of rooms you had in your home. I see. And they did consider closets and hallways to be rooms. So today we just assume every home has at least one closet in every bedroom and back then you didn't.
0: That's right.
1: Yeah. And he liked to barter instead of paying for things didn't keep a lot of cash on hand, so he did a lot of bartering, and that's how he did a lot of things with his home. He bartered working materials and whatnot. He also served with the American Revolution. He was at Kings Mountain, and he did get wounded there. And one of the things that tends to stand out, at least with me, was back then men wore their hair in a ponytail. And so while he was at King's Mountain, he was... Well, they didn't
0: call that a ponytail. They called it a...
1: Cue. So he's fighting. He did get wounded twice, once in his left arm and He also wrote that the wounds were minor in comparison to having had a musket ball pass so close that it removed that cue or shot that ponytail off right about where it was tied. So... Because he got that ponytail shot off, that was so humbling to him that he never grew his hair long again. So if you look at any drawings of him, portraits of him post that event, his hair was never long. Really? Yep. That would be pretty humbling, too, to realize you came that close to to losing your life. Sure. And so after the war, he did get involved in politics. Um a man well ahead of his time in a lot of ways. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he has been compared to Thomas Jefferson. He was the surveyor, politician, and a landowner. So we're just glad that he settled here and chose this area. Um, so
0: are there tours of the house?
1: There are. Okay. Yep. And
0: tell me a little bit about uh, how our listeners can find that house maybe find your museum oh. as well
1: okay you can find the fort defiance by we just google fort defiance lenore nc they also have a website out there so just check their website and i always tell everybody to call before they go to make sure they are open i see because they do have summer hours and winter hours i see yeah.
0: but here at the museum you're open when
1: we are open tuesday through friday 10 to four thirty. And Saturday, 9 to 12, and then if a group needs to come at a different time, we will work to accommodate that.
0: And your address here?
1: 112 Baden Street, Southwest, Lenore, NC.
0: Okay. Cindy, thank you so you're much. So well, let welcome. me ask you this question here. question that I try to ask everybody is, what does freedom mean to you? What does freedom mean to Cindy Day? To me?
1: It means that I can come and go as I need to without fear. I can vote as I feel led to vote without repercussions. I don't have to worry about my family being harmed because I know that nobody's going to come and get them and take them away for some crime that they may or may not have committed. Okay. as in other countries happens. Sure. You speak your mind, um, you may be end up in prison.
0: It's not only that in other countries. If you speak your mind, you may end up in prison and your family may yes. end up in prison.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we, we can voice our opinions without repercussion. Okay. We have the right to bear arms. Um, and I know there's a lot of controversy over that, but we are guaranteed that Right.
0: What does that mean to you, though? To me,
1: that means if I wish to own a weapon, I can. And do the do the protocol and the paperwork and being straight up about it. But if I choose to own a weapon, then I can. Because of our founding fathers and our patriots fought. Us to have that right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank Uh, you.
0: On behalf of uh, History Man 1781, a project of ekbarnes.com we would like to thank you for spending time with us today. And I'm sure the listeners have enjoyed this time as much as I have. So thank you so much, Cindy. You're
1: welcome. Thank you.